All right, everybody. Um, I think some folks may still be making their way to the to the restroom and trying to stretch a little bit, and, that, and that's certainly fine. Feel free to, to go ahead and, and keep doing that. Certainly know we doing these uh, these periods of worship and study. Certainly understand you need some chance to get up and move around and talk to folks. So that's that's great. That's nothing wrong with that. I'm gonna go ahead and get started. Uh, if it's okay with our class, we are in lesson 10 right now uh, in, our, in our Bible study. We got some, a lot of visitors here. I see two, at least two gospel preachers I know very well who are here. Bill, uh, Bill Sanchez, good to see you, sir. Bill preaches in Atlanta at the Embry Hills Congregation. So I think he's here for a big baseball game or something. I'm, I'm not big on baseball, but I think Bill's here for a big baseball game. And then Blake Edwards and I've known Blake a long time. Blake also preaches in Atlanta. He's in Atlanta. And Blake trained at the congregation, with the congregation that I was working with in, in Tennessee and Jackson Heights. Uh, he was finishing up his training when I was hired there uh, back in uh, 2012, right, Blake? And Blake is, is preaching the gospel also in Atlanta. And they also have uh, two other good men with him. I hope to get to know them later on today. But I'm so glad they are here. I'm so glad to see, see those fine men here today. Want to remind us of the class rules. We've been kind of getting away from it a little bit. So as the teacher, I got to bring us back on it, especially with that first one. I like to, I really wanted this class to be something where different folks make comments, not the same usual folks. So we want to limit ourselves to, to one comment, obvious, with the obvious exception being the shepherds, obviously. But, but usually one comment, so I want to give people who don't get a chance to talk much an opportunity to say some things and to feel like they can say some things. So I want to be mindful of those, of those things there. We are in lesson 10, lesson number 10 in our workbook. And let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into it, okay? Let's pray. Almighty God, we are very thankful, Father, for this opportunity you've given us open up our Bibles right now and to continue learning about authority and Bible authority and the need to respect the authority of the scriptures. We appreciate you blessing our journey so far and we pray, Father, that we will be good Bible students, that we will have good hearts, that we will come here, Father, ready to learn and grow and to respect the authority of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray and amen. So where are we right now in these classes? For those of you who are visiting with us, we're going through a, a series of lessons our shepherds wanted us to do about authority and how to properly understand and establish Bible authority. And so we have made our way now to lesson 10. We've looked at false standards of authority. We've looked at the inspiration of the scriptures to make sure that we're sold on the fact that the scriptures come from God. We won't ever be able to be fully sold on respecting the authority of the scriptures if we don't first believe the scriptures come from God. So we had to have some lessons on that. We looked at how the scriptures are inspired and the process of inspiration, the process of how God communicates with us today. We looked at wrong attitudes about Bible authority. Then we looked at how to establish it with direct statements and implications and, and examples from, from the apostles. And then we started looking at the difference between generic and, and specific authority. We took a couple of classes to look at examples and how we can, how we can figure out when they're binding. And now we're going to talk a little bit about aids and additions, aids and additions. I want to ask you something. I don't want you to answer out loud. 
Don't answer out loud, but just think about this to yourself, okay? Have you ever been asked this question right here? You ever been asked the question of, where do you get your authority? Where do you get your authority for PowerPoint? Where do you get your authority for that projector? Where do you get your authority for that screen? Where do you get your authority for song books or songs on the slides like we're doing right now? Where's your authority for that? Where's your authority for pews that you're sitting in? Where's your authority for tables like we have in classrooms right now? Where's your authority for a baptistry? Where's your authority for that? Where's your authority for a church website? Where's your authority for a sound system, for microphones, lapel mics and things like that? Where's your authority for a copy machine? So you got a copy machine on the other side of the building. Where's your authority for that? Where's your authority for trays and baskets like you passed around earlier today? How can you be okay with that stuff? Things like a parking lot, but you're not okay with having a piano. So you're okay with having a parking lot. You're okay with spending the Lord's money on a copy machine and a sound system and a website, but you're not okay with a piano. You're not okay with a guitar. You're not okay with drums. You're not okay with a basketball gym. And you're not okay with having a special room for Christians to eat and, and, and have a good time together. Why are you okay with that stuff, this stuff, but you're not okay with this other stuff? I believe that's a legitimate question. That's a legitimate question. That's a question we got to answer. We got to answer that question. I mean, if we're really going to practice what we, we preach, we say we want to speak where the Bible speaks, be silent where the Bible's silent. We say we want to follow the Bible and respect the authority of the scriptures. Well, if we really are going to be like that, if that's really our motto, then we got to be able to explain why we do this stuff right here. We got to explain that. We got to explain why we got pews. And while we got a baptistry, and while we got a website, and why it's okay to use PowerPoint and a copy machine and have a parking lot and trays and baskets, we got to give people an answer for that kind of stuff. It is not enough, and listen carefully. It is not enough to just tell people, well, that's our tradition. You know, that's how we do it in, in, at the church I go to. It's not enough to say, well, you know what? We have this, uh, this stuff because we, we, we just like it. We like it. Oh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Or oh, we prefer these things. Or these things are helping us do some good things for the Lord. That's not good enough. If we say that kind of stuff, we sound just like the people we're speaking against. That's not good enough. We need to be able to show people from the Bible why it's okay for us to have these things that we have. We need to be able to show people from the Bible why these things are authorized or why these things are expedient. You see, if these things are not authorized, if they're not authorized, then guess what? We don't need to have them. We don't need to have them if they're not authorized. We don't need PowerPoint. Look, if PowerPoint's not authorized, then I gotta figure something else out. Can't, you can't use it, can't not use it. If having songs on the slide, if having songbooks not authorized, can't, can't have it, can't have it. 
Can't have a church website. I don't care how nice it is if it's not authorized. Can't have a sound system. Can't have a copy machine. Can't even have a parking lot. Can't have any of this stuff. If we can't prove from the Bible, not what we think, not what the elders may be okay with, but from the Bible, that these things are authorized. And so, can we find authority for these things that we use here at Monte Vista? Can we find authority for the things that's on the slide right there? If we can, where is it? How are these things authorized? Well, let's begin this study. We'll take a couple of classes to go through this, so we're not in a big hurry. But let's begin this study by pointing out how these things are authorized through things that are called expedients. Expedients. An expedient, that's a big word there, so let's simplify it, is an aid. Sean Michael, come up here and write your name on this piece of paper for me, please. Oh, so you need something to do that. That's called an expedient. You get it? Sean Michael, I told him to do something, but he's like, I can't do it without some help. You need a pencil or a pen. Thank you, Sean Michael. That's an expedient. Do you get it now? I've told him to do something. I've given him authority to do something, and he's like, well, I can't do it unless I have an aid. That's an expedient. An expedient is an aid. An expedient aids us. It helps us in doing something that God has commanded us to do. It helps us carry out God's will. It helps us do something that God has authorized. Expedients actually are part of generic authority. This is why we've gone in stages. Do you see now why we've gone in stages? You see why we now didn't just you know, jump and start talking about a whole bunch of stuff at the same time. We did it through a process because if you can understand generic authority, now you have an easier time understanding expedience. You see that? Generic authority or also called general authority where God tells us to do something, he authorizes us to do something, but he doesn't give us specifics. He doesn't give us specifics on how it is to be done. This is where expedients come in. This is where aids come in. Expedients are part of generic authority. This is why understanding generic authority is critically important, because once you get that, then you can get easily expedients. And so let's look at some examples. Let's look at an example. I'm going to use the young people, because I like how the young people really appreciate simplicity. So young folks, I want, I want you to help me here. Let's go in our Bibles. Greg, you're sitting up here. Can you help me out here? Can you read for us Matthew 28 and verse 19, Brother Greg? Matthew 28, Matthew 28, in the verses 19. We're going to see something the Lord wants us to do. Whenever you're ready, Greg. So, young folks, and just raise your hand if you can see this. What is Jesus commanding us to do? Who's got to answer that? Yes, faith. So the first word there is what faith? Faith says the first word is go. Go do my work. Go make disciples. Go baptize people like faith said. So Jesus said go, right? That's something he wants us to do. He wants us to do that. So, young people, let me ask you this now. 
did Jesus tell us in that verse how to go, the means to go? Raise your hand if you agree that he doesn't tell us, that he doesn't tell us how to go. You young folks, you agree with that? So all of our young people can see that. They all got their hands up. Not real high, but they're like this, okay? So it's up, okay? They, I, think, I think they're kind of like trying to ride the fence a little bit. Don't they? I'll take that as a yes. So if the Lord doesn't specify us how to go, and I'm gonna throw, now I'm throwing this out to everybody. If the Lord doesn't specify how to go, what does that mean? How can we go? Give me, somebody give me an example of how we could go. Okay, so Teresa says a car. We could go like buy a car. What about Paul? How could he go? Okay, you can walk, use your sandals, use your feet. How else could Paul go? Did he not go by ship sometimes? A horse, a donkey, a camel. What about, what did Philippi go by in Acts 8? Chariot. So the Lord just says go. But he leaves it up to disciples to use their judgment on what is expedient. Does that make sense? On what will aid them in that. So it could be sandals, walking, a ship, a chariot, a camel, a donkey, a plane in our case, a car, a scooter, a skateboard. Jesus says go, but he leaves it up to us to decide. Mike, you had a comment. Go ahead and then John, I see you back there, sir. Go ahead, Mike. So Mike says, when you think about where the nations are spread at this time, obviously the Lord is not going to be specific there. So I think there you see the wisdom of God because, now remember, y'all putting your hands up. This is y'all's one comment right here. Just be, be careful with it. This is it. Okay, no, no, that's you, Mike. Somebody behind you. So, so just see, because there's somebody behind you there. But uh, no, Don and I joke around together. We, we're good friends. Um, so let me just say something about Mike's comment, because I like that. You know, Paul goes to Cyprus, right? And, and then Crete, these are islands that it's gonna be hard to walk unless you can walk on the, on, the, on the Mediterranean Sea. So you need a ship. Paul was very good about using expedience because he's like, look, if I wanna get to a certain place, I gotta figure out the best means to get there. So in some cases, it's gonna be a ship. In some cases, I can walk there. Paul was very good about using his judgment, using the best means possible to aid him in doing what God wants him to do. John, you had a comment, and Don, I'm coming to you, sir. Not yet, John. I, not yet, John. We're taking it in a process. Yeah, but, you, but I see where you're going. But I'm taking this slow. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. We're going we're gonna to have a time, John, where we're going to have all that up on a, on a slide. We're going to go through it one by one. Okay? Uh, Don, yes, sir.
applies to all ages. Use what you've got to do the job. That's an excellent point. That's going to come back to help us, Don, when we get some to these to some of these teaching methods or these teaching expedients, right? Can you imagine if Paul lived in a time where he, where he had a car? <laughs> Notice how he was getting around without a car. Can you imagine if he had a car? Can you imagine if he could get on an airplane where Paul, you think Paul would have been to all the continents? You think Paul would have been to probably almost every country? How do you think Paul's passport would have looked if he'd been alive in our time today? If Paul had the opportunity to live in our time where he could have a car and an airplane and stuff like that, oh my goodness, I can't even begin to imagine how, what Paul would have done. Because look at what he was doing in a time where he didn't have the kind of technology we do. Paul used the means of that time to accomplish God's will. And, and so that, that's a great point. Anybody else maybe want to say something about where we're at so far? This is good stuff here. Good stuff. So expedience, okay, part of generic authority. We see in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, go. Doesn't tell us, doesn't tell us how to go. We can go by many different means, but all those things are aids. That's the point. They are aids. They help us do what God says. So if Paul, if we could go to Paul in the first century, imagine this. We go to the Apostle Paul and we say to the Apostle Paul, where is your authority to be going to preach the gospel by a ship? Where is your authority for that, Paul? And Paul will look right at us and he'll say, the authority that I have to use this ship to go preach the gospel is found when the Lord said go. That's where my authority is. My authority for this ship or this donkey or this camel or whatever he used was found in the commandment Jesus said to go. That's where my authority is, Paul would say. Jesus told me to go. He didn't tell me how to go. And that's that same answer I'm going to give people when they ask me where's my authority for that stuff up there. When they ask me where's my authority for PowerPoint, songbooks, baptistry, website, I'm going to say to them what Paul would have said to them 2,000 years ago when they asked him where's your authority to go by the means you're going. I'm going to use the same answer Paul used would have used when it comes to that stuff up there. All of that stuff is authorized because it falls under the umbrella of God giving general instructions, general authority, and he allows us to decide what's expedient. So that's where we're going to be going. That's where John was going with his point, which was, by the way, a great point. And we're going to, we're going to go into it in detail, John, okay? I promise you that. So let's keep going here. The Lord leaves some things up to us to decide. And I know we struggle with that a little bit because we want everything to be black and white in the Bible. We want it all black and white. We really don't because what's the most neglected book in the Bible probably? When the last time you read Leviticus? You want a black and white book, read Leviticus. We really don't want it like that like we think we do. God at times leaves it up to us to make some judgments. Leaves it up to us to make some decisions. And leaves it up to us to decide what is expedient. And so let me put some other things on here for you to think about. For something to be expedient, it's got to be lawful. Okay, I want to be clear about this. Okay, so just stay with me. An expedient has to be lawful. What are y'all thinking? And, and I want you to think about this. Maybe somebody who doesn't speak as much. Okay. What do you think I mean by this? An expedient has to be lawful. What do you think that means? Yes, Tony. Okay, explain that even further. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, you can't, the lawyer's allowed to do anything that's against the law. 
Okay. And what kind of law are we talking about? Not just that. I'm not, but that can be part of it. But I'm speaking even more so than that. When I say something's got to be lawful, I'm not just talking about laws of the land. I'm talking about God's law. An expedient can't change what God has said. Does that make sense? If God tells us to do something, we can't use something that's going to be unlawful. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Because we live in a society where a lot of people believe this right here. They believe the end justifies the means. You ever heard people say that before? You know, we're growing as a church. We're busting through the doors. And so whatever we're doing, it's got to be working. Even if it means we can't find authority for it from the Bible. The end justifies the means. The Bible rejects that notion. It rejects that notion. Just because something is effective does not mean it is allowed by the Lord. So let's use some Bible examples, okay? Here are a couple of examples. Moses. Moses. Remember in the book of Numbers, the children of Israel whining, they're complaining, they're griping, and they want some water. Remember that? They want some water. And Moses, God tells Moses, I want you to speak to the rock, and water's going to come out, and it's going to give water to all these you know, two million people here. Well, Moses is frustrated at this time. He's frustrated. The people are really getting on his nerves. And does he speak to the rock on that occasion like God told him to? But you know, water came out. You know that, right? Water, I mean, that thing started. Imagine two million people needing water. How much water must come out that rock? Can you imagine that? You're talking about Niagara Falls here. I mean, that's, that's a lot of water coming out. So Moses doesn't do what God says. He hits the rock, and there was a time earlier in their journey when Moses did hit the rock and water came out. And he does it again, and water comes out, but he doesn't obey what the Lord said. So the end of that was good. The end was the people got water, but the means was unlawful because he should have spoke to the rock and he hit the rock, and that's when God told him, you didn't respect my holiness. You're not going into the promised land. You're not going because while the people got the water, the end was a good result. The means was bad. The end does not justify the means. We studied that this morning also with David. David needs to feed his men. And this bread that he takes, don't think of it like a little piece of cornbread. I mean, this bread, these, these loaves were big. They were like, you've probably seen them depicted as like big pancakes. I mean, these, these were some big pieces of bread. And it's enough to feed his, his army, okay? And so he lies to get this bread. And Jesus says what he did was unlawful. I'm going to go with Jesus. So the end was he got full, his men got full, but the means about which he did, it was wrong. It was wrong. The end doesn't justify the means. You know, if you want to get some quick cash, you want some quick cash, one way you can do that is rob a bank. That'll get you some quick cash. But does that mean it's okay? Because you, the end result is you get a lot, of, a lot of money in the end? We understand this in our daily lives, don't we? The end don't justify the means. A lot of people get quick money by stealing it from other folks. That don't mean it's okay because their end result was good. The same is true with the Bible. So an expedient, an expedient cannot change what God has said. Just because 
something may be effective doesn't mean God is okay with it. It's got to be within what God has authorized. We can't add to what God has said. And let me just say this. An expedient is never specified. It is never specified. If it was, it wouldn't be an expedient. Okay? Expedients fall under the category of general authority. There are times when God does specify. He specifies what he wants you to do, how he wants you to do it. But other times he just tells you to do something and he doesn't specify. In that case, now you're using an expedient. Now you're using your judgment to determine how can I do what God wants me to do in the best way. So when God specifies, there's no choice. Can't do it any other way. Can't do it any other way. But when God doesn't specify, hey, use your judgment. You do what you think is best in this moment to do my will. So I'm going to pause for a, moment, a minute or two because we're going to look at some examples here. We're going to look at some examples. I'm going to use the young folks again. Before I do that, I'm going to give you a chance to maybe ask a question, to maybe make a comment on something you see here. Brother Ryan, go ahead, sir. No, that's a good point. And, and some folks would even ask, okay, well, what about the pitch pipe? What about the pitch pipe? Well, the pitch pipe would be a problem if it was being used in such a way that changed what God said. So let's, let me explain that further. Because the pitch pipe does make a noise. And I've known brethren who had a problem with that, saying, no, that's, that's an instrument. But it's not just that instruments... We're not saying instruments are wrong. Let's make that clear. Instruments are not sinful. They are inanimate objects. Okay, a piano is just an inanimate object. Instruments are not sinful. It's when you use them in such a way that changes what God has said. That's where the problem comes in. Does that make sense? So if God says sing, we got to do it that way and no other way. So the pitch pipe would be a problem if you got up here, Ryan, and started doing it like Stevie Wonder on the harmonica and started singing with us. Now you're singing and playing. The pitch pipe is an instrument of pitch. Once you get the pitch, what do you do? You put it down. Then you sing. So that's the point. It's not so much we're saying, oh, it's wrong to have an instrument. That's not the point. The point is, are we using it in a way that doesn't aid us in doing what God says, but it changes what God has said. I want to, and young people, I really want you to see that. That's important, okay? That's an important point. Good comment, Ryan. I love it. I love it. Anyone else? Maybe something else you question, comment here. This is your opportunity. Don't be afraid because we only got nine minutes, so you go ahead and use your comment now if you're going to use it. It's just, you use it or lose it. Any other comments here about what we're saying here about expedience and how expedience cannot change. They cannot change what the Lord has said. They must aid us in doing what God has said, okay? So let me, let's look at a few examples here. Go in your Bible to Genesis chapter 6. Look at a few examples here. You're probably getting tired of hearing about Noah by now. But I think Noah's story helps us in so many different ways. I mean, it's a great case of a man who respected God's authority. I love it. I love that. Uh, you look at verse 22 of Genesis 6. Uh, 
You know, this whole process can be summed up in verse 22. <laughs> Thus Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. So he did. So Noah had a mission from God, and he got it done. But he was going to need some help. He was going to need some expedience to get it done for that verse to be true. The verse says he did according to all the Lord commanded him. Well, he needed some aids to do all that God commanded him. So look at verse 14. In verse 14, God said, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And so I'm just going to ask the young folks this right now. We're going to go through this right here. We're going to try to understand AIDS by studying some Bible cases. So here's the first question. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 14. What, young folks, raise your hand if you see this. What is being authorized? What does God want Noah to do? Yes, Drew. Okay. So what is authorized, Drew said, is make an ark. Make an ark of gopher wood. Now, again, I don't know what gopher wood is. You don't know what gopher wood is. No one knows what gopher wood is. But Noah knew. Noah knew what it was. And God said, you make an ark of gopher wood. So, young folks, what could, well, let me ask you this first. Okay, God says to make an ark of gopher wood. Is that ark, is Noah going to be able to do that without some aids. Can he make an ark without some aids? I mean, can he just say it and it just pops up? Oh, there it is. There's the ark. He's going to need some help, right? He's going to need some help. So what are some things that could aid him? Yes, Shawn Michael. Okay, Shawn Michael says some tools. He's going to need some tools, right? That's exactly right. So if Noah's going to get this done, he's going to need a hammer maybe, right? Maybe going to need a saw. Don't need an axe. Some of you men, you, you, you have a big toolbox. You know, a lot, of, a lot of men have big toolboxes. So you know that tools aid. And Noah's going to need some tools. But did God say anything about tools in the text? No. Noah understood it, that these were going to, he's going to need some expedience. He's going to need some aids. So he's going to need some tools. They're, they're going to aid him. They're not going to change what God has said, but they will aid him. Now, what would be an addition in this situation? So we know what the aids would be. The aids would be the hammer, the saw, the axe, any tools that can help him get the job done. But what would be an addition? Anybody have an answer for that? What would be an addition to, to what God is telling him here? Come on, don't be afraid. Anybody? Yes, yes, Jonathan, go ahead. <laughs> Did you say put in a swimming pool? Okay. Jonathan says, well, how about just making a swimming pool instead of making an ark? Is that changing what God said? Yep. How about making a cruise ship? Would that change what God said? See, Jonathan, you're throwing all kind of answers out. You don't realize it. You're throwing all kind of good answers out. A swimming pool, that's changing. A cruise ship, that's changing. A lifeboat, that's changing. A treehouse, that's changing. Anything that changes the commandment to build an ark is an addition. Yes, ma'am, go right ahead. She said, if you were to add a different kind of wood, that's another fantastic one. Because God specified the wood. 
So if God specifies the wood, that means he can't use any other kind of wood in this process. If he does, it's not aiding, it's adding. Y'all, that's a great, great point. Any other things you see about here with Noah? Anything else? Does this make sense? Do you see how Noah got this? Because the last verse of Genesis 6 says, he did all God commanded him. Now, Mike, since you've had shingles, I'm going to make an exception for you. You had, sh <laughs> you had shingles. Go ahead, sir. No, go ahead, sir. I'm joking. Yes, please, sir. Go ahead. Yes. 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 And that's that's another good one. I'm, Mitch, I'm coming to you next, sir. Um, was another aid could be other people to help him, too. If you go to the Ark Encounter, has anybody ever been to the, the Ark Encounter before? I've never been there. I want to. I want to go. But one of the things they have in the museum, the Creation Museum, is when you go to the exhibits and they got fantastic exhibits, is that Noah could have hired some folks. You never had your house, built a house and you said, I built my house? Well, really, what did that mean? You hire contractors, but you still say, I built it. That could have been very well possible. The text doesn't tell us exactly, but that could have been an aid. It doesn't change what God has said. Yes, sir, Mitch, go ahead, sir. God specified that he would make room within the ark. Yes. So it would be a hollow here. There had to be room, but he didn't say one side room. Right. He said, I want all my room. That's a great point. Now that's a good point, Mitch. That's a good point. So Mitch recognized two different things there when it comes to the making the ark. God did not specify, or God, I'm sorry, forgive me, Mitch, specified rooms. The things was to have rooms in it, but he didn't specify the size of the rooms. So Noah was to allow some judgment there. So again, you see Noah having to obey some specific instructions from God and sometimes where he could use his judgment. Also, there were specificities with the animals that would go on too, right? Even though God brought the animals to him, there were still, still specifics with that. So all this is going on in this text. These are, I just want y'all to see there are, there are things God needs Noah to do, but Noah needs AIDS. He needs AIDS. That's the point I'm trying to make. Good points. Let's go to the next one. This is not in your workbook here, so you might want to add this one in your notes. But it's going, we're going back to that heifer again. I mean in the, the text here, the Numbers 19 in verse number 2. In Numbers 19 in verse, in verse number 2, it says, This is the statue of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel they may bring you an unblemished red heifer in which is no defect and on which yoke has never been placed. So what is God authorizing here? What is God telling Israel to do? Keep it very simple for me. Yes, making a sacrifice and the sacrifice will involve an unblemished red heifer. God's very specific, right? So what could be an aid in getting this heifer where it needs to go? Yes. What are you going to say, Faith? Rope. A rope. Absolutely. Chain. Whatever and get the heifer there. What would be an addition in this situation? Okay. A brown heifer. Right? 
a bulldog, a cocker spaniel, a horse, a bear, anything that's not a red heifer. That makes sense. So I need to stop there because our, the bell rang, but we're going to continue this on Wednesday or next Sunday, I'm sorry, next Sunday. I want to go through these exercises and I want to go through them a lot, okay? And the reason why I want to go through all these is because I want to show you as we make our way to the New Testament how we do have authority for the things we do here. And we're going to take our time. We're going to go through this, Lord willing, next Sunday. We're going to go all the way through it. So if you haven't done your lesson yet, go ahead and do that and be ready to participate next Sunday as we try to make our way through the Bible and just show how God's people have used AIDS to help them do his will. Okay? Y'all have some good comments today. I appreciate our young people. Let's pause, get up and stretch, get the blood going. Been here two hours, and we're going to come back.